0: We are honored today to receive this pilgrim statue of Mary, Mother of God, to our parish of Mary, Mother of God. I think she belongs here. I don't know if I want to give her back on Wednesday or not. (laughs) This beautiful statue of Our Lady was commissioned by the diocese to honor our 50th anniversary year, the theme of which is, of course, Faith more precious than gold, which is a quote from 1 Peter 1.7. Faith more precious than gold. Today, our second reading gives us that classic biblical definition of faith from Hebrews chapter 11, that faith is the realization of what is hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the realization of what is hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So I want to ask, is it reasonable for us to believe in evidence of things not seen? Or is faith, as some suppose it to be, just superstition? I mention that because there's been a rise in recent decades of what some people call scientism. I don't mean science, I mean scientism. It's it's an ideological belief that the only true knowledge, that the only reliable source of knowledge, is that knowledge that's acquired through the scientific method. And knowledge that you acquire by any other means, for example, faith, can be dismissed as a matter of opinion, at best, or superstition, at worst. And before I get too into talking about faith, I want to make one point very clear. The Catholic Church is very pro-science. We are very pro-science. I don't know what you may have heard about Galileo, but over the course of the the whole 2,000 year history of the church, the church has been a, a big supporter of the natural sciences. And the scientific method has brought many advances to our society, and it's increased our understanding of the world we live in, and the church values this because we believe that God created the natural order. God created this universe, and the more that we can understand about it, the more that we can appreciate and give thanks to its creator, And so the church is in favor of all means of arriving at the truth, be it science or philosophy or religion, because we recognize that all truth comes from God and that truth can never contradict truth, if it's rightly understood. So the church is very much for knowledge acquired by science. And for the same reason, the church is also very much against superstition. The word superstition, it derives from a Latin phrase that literally means too much belief. Too much belief. You are superstitious if you believe too much. And what I mean by that is, if you think that because a black cat crosses in front of your path that you're going to get bad luck, you believe too much. Right? There's no rational reason for you to believe that. You believe more than what's reasonable, and the church condemns that kind of belief because there's no basis for it. So the difference between faith and superstition is that faith is reasonable belief. It's reasonable belief. Faith and reason are meant to go hand in hand. In fact, in 1998, Pope St. John Paul II wrote a brilliant encyclical called Fides et Ratio, um, on faith and reason. And the opening line of that encyclical is this, faith and reason are like two wings on which the human spirit rises to the contemplation of truth. Whenever I read magisterial documents, I always have a highlighter next to me, and I think this is the only one that I've had to take the lid off the highlighter at the very first sentence and say, I have to remember that. Faith and reason are like two wings on which the human spirit rises to the contemplation of truth. So just like the wings of a bird, faith and reason are meant to work in tandem with each other. I don't know about you, but I've never seen a one-winged bird flying, right? You need two. You need both of the wings to make it work. So faith and reason are our two wings upon which we rise to the truth. And reasonable faith, it's not based in, in superstition. It's based in our lived experience and in our intuition, as well as our trust in the testimony of authorities. Our trust in the testimony of authorities. Just like Abraham had trust in that testimony that God gave him. And we exercise this kind of reasonable faith all the time, not just in a religious context. Right? In fact, if we didn't have this kind of reasonable faith, we wouldn't be able to get along in the world. And I'll tell you what I, what I mean by that as an example. Most of what you and I consider scientific knowledge knowledge that's derived by the scientific method, you and I have received as a matter of faith. And by that I mean, unless you happen to be a scientist and you work in a lab and you've conducted the experiments and you've analyzed the data, you know what you know because someone taught it to you and you trusted that person. That's an act of faith. And it's a very reasonable thing to do as long as the person that you trust is a person with credible authority in what they've told you. For example, when I'm sick and I go to the doctor, the doctor might say, take these pills and you'll feel better. I don't know how those pills work. right? I have no knowledge of how those pills work, but I put my faith in the doctor because of his authority. And when I go to the pharmacist and I get that prescription filled, I put my faith in the pharmacist to give me the right medicine. I don't go home and conduct a lab experiment in my kitchen to determine the chemical makeup of the pills that the pharmacist has given me, right? I have faith in that pharmacist. He's an authority, and I trust in him. But I don't take medical advice from my mechanic because he's not an authority in medicine, just like I don't let my doctor fix my car, right? Our faith is reasonable, if we trust in these proper authorities. And if I know other people, for example, who have been treated by that doctor, then their testimony that, oh yes, this is a good doctor, will add to that doctor's credibility. Credibility, a word that literally means worthy of belief. He is worthy of belief. And if I have 20 years of experience being cared for by that doctor, then my personal experience gives further reinforcement of my faith in him. So it's possible to have more or less faith based on how reasonable the basis for that faith is. And so far, up to now, I've just been talking about what we could call natural faith. But the same thing is true when it comes to supernatural faith, that kind of faith referred to in Hebrews as the realization of what's hoped for and that evidence of things not not seen, the kind of faith that our first reading from wisdom assures us is a source of sure knowledge, and that kind of faith that St. Peter calls more precious than gold. Supernatural faith is so precious because it's necessary for us to know God. Because you see, God is not part of this material world. It's impossible to prove God's existence scientifically because God's not subject to observation and experimentation the same way that things of the natural world are. God exists outside of creation. And so all of the evidence that we have for God is indirect evidence. The only way that we can come to direct knowledge of God is through faith. Through faith. So then who is our credible authority when it comes to God. Because God is outside of creation, we can't go to him like we might go to the doctor or go to the mechanic. God would have to come to us. And as it turns out, this is the principal claim of Christianity, that God has come to us in the person of Jesus Christ. That over the course of human history, God prepared a people to receive him. And when the time was right, He entered into the world as one of us so that we might know him. Jesus says, I and the Father are one. And if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And he doesn't just say it. He affirms his divine authority by doing things that only someone with authority over creation could do. He commands the winds and the waves. He cures the incurable. He brings the dead back to life. And in the ultimate demonstration of his authority, he rises from the grave himself. Eyewitnesses of all of these things told others about them. They wrote down their experience. And most tellingly to us, they were willing to die for what they heard and saw Christ say and do. And I'm not just talking about one person or a few people, or even a few dozen people, but hundreds of people witnessed these things. You know, sometimes people will try to dismiss Jesus uh, by claiming that there's you know, no real historical record of Jesus outside of the Bible. Well, first of all, there is historical record of Jesus outside of the Bible, both from Roman and Jewish sources. But admittedly, most of what we know about Jesus was recorded by Christians, Because if you think about it, they're the most interested in the subject matter. They would want to write the most about him. Uh, But the testimony that we have in the New Testament, it's not a single testimony that might be dismissed. It's a compilation of multiple testimonies. The Bible is not one book. It's a collection of books. It's a library. The word biblia in Latin does not mean book. The word biblia means library. And the library of the New Testament was written by perhaps ten different people, right? Ten different authors, all of which were either killed or sent into exile because of their testimony. And you have to ask, what possible motive could they have had other than telling the truth about the greatest thing that had ever happened to them? And according to that testimony that they give us, Jesus, who possessed this divine authority, gave that authority to others. He shared that authority with his apostles. He gave them the authority to bind and loose, which is a a Jewish idiom for the authority to make governing decisions. He gave them the authority to forgive sins, which is something the Jewish people understood only God could do. He gave them the authority to teach in his name, saying, he who hears you hears me. And he established a church on the foundation of those apostles and he promised that the powers of death would not prevail against that church, meaning that church is still here today. And the only Christian body that has any reasonable claim historically to be that church is the Catholic church that can trace an unbroken line of succession from bishops to bishops right back to the apostles until the present day. And so, for us to have faith in the Catholic Church and in her authority to teach and to govern and to sanctify in Jesus Christ's name, it's not unreasonable. That is not an unreasonable thing to believe. And just like our our trust that we put in our mechanic or in our doctor, our faith in the Church is bolstered by our lived experience as Christians, and in the testimony of other people. Our lived experience tells us that there's something about religious belief that just makes our lives better. Study after study has has shown the same thing, that religious people generally are happier than non-religious people. They report greater levels of peace, Greater amounts of satisfaction in their life. And it's not because bad things don't happen to them, but it's because they seem to have a resilience when bad things do happen. And then, of course, we have the testimony of our friends, our testimony of people that we trust. And I'm talking about our personal friends and our family members that we know and trust, but I'm also talking about our larger circle of friends in faith, the saints. If our faith is struggling, if your faith is struggling, I encourage you look to those whose faith was strong. Look to those examples of strong faith, like Blessed Carlo Acutis, or St. John Paul II, or Mother Teresa, or Edith Stein, or Josephine Baquita, people who have gone through hard times, but were blessed through them because of their faith. And most especially, look to the Blessed Mother, who knew her son and trusted in her son more than anyone and is the very one that Jesus gives us as the preeminent model of Christian faith what it means to have that supernatural faith in God we can look to these people who come from such different backgrounds, these priests these nuns, these scientists these philosophers, these slaves, these school children all of these people and we can ask, what do they have in common? What did they have that the world lacks that made such a difference in their lives? And the answer to that question is faith. They had faith, a faith that enabled them to come to that sure knowledge of God and eventually to see God face to face in the beatific vision. A faith that enabled them in the light of God to see the world and to see themselves as they truly are making it possible for them to become who and what they were meant to be. This is why our faith is rightly called more precious than gold. Not only is our faith reasonable, but it's the realization of all that we hope for. What could be more precious than that?